Welcome back, Susanna. Another week in a conflict style. So, so far we've done avoiding, competing and accommodating, as well as an introductory podcast around what are conflict styles and this concept of style to strategy, why it's so important to understand your own, but also that of others. Um, and now we move to the penultimate one, which is compromising. So my initial question is sort of where does compromise, compromising fit into the equation? Um, and how is it distinguished from seemingly very similar styles, for example, accommodating, because they sound quite similar. So yeah, how, how are they distinguished from one another? That's, yeah, just yesterday in a coaching session with a small group of people from an organization, they asked the same question because we talked about conflict styles and they were quite high, the group in compromising. And they said, so, so what? So that's good enough, isn't it? And because it's in the middle of all the styles, so if you again look at the, the graph Thomas and Kilman developed, it's right in the middle. So it's, you're halfway there in terms of assertiveness, fighting for your own outcomes and interests. And it's also halfway there when it comes to relationship. So you almost cover everything. And often people stop there because going the extra mile, well, in, in either direction, either to competing and really fight if something is at stake or going further and say, okay, I really want to, to really have the, the best outcome, the most effective outcome. So let's have another go at that. But also you can go easily towards, okay, let's accommodate. So compromising is, I think, one of those styles, the most ambiguous ones, because it's possibly often undervalued when I think of um, descriptions like a foul compromise. There are often adjectives attached to compromise which are give it, give it a negative touch. So I would promote compromise mm -hmm. and at the same time stretch people to say, okay, can I not go a little bit further? Mm -hmm. I suppose the, 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 the thing is a good compromise is when no one's happy like you said sort of relatively negative spin on something so yeah. you work with with teams and organizations or individuals who are exhibiting compromising behavior or approaches is it is part of the challenge pushing them or, or, or getting them out of their comfort zone to maybe move more towards asserting their interests and what they really want when necessary um, but at the same time as well also thinking about the relationship aspect Absolutely. So it, it's a little bit of a quick fix. So we are all, most of us are trained to solve problems and come to solutions. So most, most of our professions, in a way we are born with that. So we are born to survive. That means you need easy access to solutions. So our brain is wired to find a way out quickly. And that is what a compromise is. It's possibly the best we can do when not having time or when something is at stake. And it's possibly also the best we can do not to give up completely or just give in. And as you said, there are organizations who are okay with that. And that was the case of the organization we dealt yesterday with. The nature of their business was to constantly make compromises because their shareholders, are, some of them are governments. so you can't really tell a government what to do. Ultimately, they have the power to decide. And at the same time, it's quite interesting to then say, so how could you assert your position even more to stretch, 
to come to, to a more sustainable outcome. I think compromise, you have to be clear. It is win now, lose later. It's never really the, yeah. And that, and that leads me on to my question, because if, if somebody said to me, or, or at face value, an, an individual team organization that, that compromises well, on the face of it, that seems like an incredibly good way to, to run a company or a project or whatever it might be. But what is it that they're missing out on? And you alluded to it already, but what, going that extra mile, what does that give you that, you know, just being happy to purely compromise doesn't? So in a way, there is a, a pinch of uh, conflict avoidance in compromise because going further means you have to indulge in more divergent thinking. And divergent thinking means you stress test your the trust within your team organization. You stress test, is it really okay to share different opinions? So you have to, to work quite hard um, on your team effectiveness and how you, on the communication, how honest and open is it that you allow going further. So I think that is, and also having the, the willingness to spend a little bit more time or using different techniques to, to go to the ground of things or even stretch your creativity. It's also the question of groupthink. So you have to test, are we all okay with compromising because we all think that's a good thing to do? So having another look at the team itself, are, are all the roles covered? Is there someone who has the role of a challenger? Often that is missing in groups who compromise. So that you hire, sometimes organizations or boards even hire someone who just says no or just ask the question. Someone who has nothing, uh, no interest, ask, is that the best solution we can have? And that might be a good, good way. Not always, but um, if I'm, again, we talked about overuse of one style. If that is something I settled with and feel comfortable with, then I, I have not learned to, to go further. I don't even know how it might feel like to go further. Even to go to competing, I think it's also for compromisers, good to feel the stress of just going, I'm totally assertive now and I, I need, this is non-negotiable. I have to fight for my value, my values. And mm -hmm. you know, in, in a lot of compromises, when we do mediations, I must admit often it's a compromise agreement and if parties, that's what they want to settle with, that's okay. So I don't agree that, but I still see there is sometimes anger or some emotions left where I think, okay, had they f fought for what they really believe in, they could have transcended that. Yeah. And that goes back to the point that you made earlier about sustainable outcomes. So not just achieving an outcome that will last in the short term, but really taking the time moving out of your comfort zone, daring to disagree, another theme that we've talked about, can help you, you know, it will be difficult, but really explore everything that's on the table, leave no stone unturned, and ultimately arrive at a solution that is more likely to stand the test of time or any other pressure that comes on it, as opposed to a, you know, we're both unhappy, um, that seems pretty fair, meet in the middle, move on with our lives, but down the line, you're gonna encounter more problems. Yeah, absolutely. And that is what often is underestimated. 
the emotional side of things. So compromise often is something you, you sign an agreement very often on facts or that contract will work out on transactions. And I know in the business world, it's not always so en vogue to talk about the emotions with it. But as you know, decisions are made on, based on emotions. So our emotions are always attached to our decisions and rationality doesn't really exist because it's always a combination. So if I'm unhappy with an outcome because I know I had to give up something which was of value to me, there will always be a residue of regret, bias, remorse, however you might call it, which at some stage will come back. Or I, I might do another deal with that person, that organization, and I will remember that feeling, say, well, so that's, that's what it is. So now I might even strike harder. I'm not that accommodating. And the other person thinks, or the mediator, even what's going on here? Why is that happening? So if it's possible and you have the luxury to have the time and the resources to go the extra mile, it's really good to explore. At least have um, regular meetings within organizations. We talked about the design and default where you question the style, how you deal with conflicts or negotiate. Because when we do negotiation coaching and our colleague Philip Williams will confirm that, it's um, preparation for negotiation is, so what, what would be the best outcome? And best outcome doesn't mean the best value, but also how do you want to feel with it, with that outcome going forward? Because organizations sometimes ask us, how can we negotiate being very competitive, but our customers still like us? You say, well, that's a contradiction. You, you don't know if they will like you or not, but why do you want them to like you? Yeah, relationship is important. So yeah, so what, what can you do? That is not an either or, you can have both. And often organizations ask, how can we have both? We have to decide this is the decision non-negotiable and we, we can't maintain relationship. And for us conflict engagement experts, it's so clear, yes, you can have both. You can have it all if you invest the time, effort, and also if you can detach from the imagination that there's only one possible way. It goes very philosophical now, I think. Yeah, we sort of, we sort of did stray that way uh, more in, in the last episode. And, and again, I think the, the, the important point coming out of that is if you invest in the time to do it, it's not a quick fix, you know, flick the switch solution. You've got to really invest in how you do things as an organization, um, but also the training and the, the skill level um, and the strategic approach that, that people within, within your organization have. And that's where the value of, of understanding these conflict styles comes in or what we're, we're trying to get people to, to recognize and appreciate. I think that is for me, I would see that really very flexible because for an organization, the bottom line and to achieve objectives is crucial. And when I look at how people negotiate or have conversations, compromise, I think is, is to achieve that is a very good starting point. And you can then say, well, we have achieved already that and you can park it. And then you can decide together which of the points are worth going further with and which are okay to settle now. That's already a valuable discussion. Also for a business to decide, okay, what are the things we're happy with that they have to run 
and because you can't fight all the fights you can't you might have designed a website now you want to have another project and you just have two people in the team so it's impossible to do everything but to make the decisions of priorities will already be a quite smart business decision and then you can also go further okay where can i accommodate and get something in return what is of value to me which are the points as a team as a business as an individual which i will never be able to give up because they're so core value for me so i will compete there it's the clarity around what we negotiating which gives us clarity which style to apply yeah and i think that example you've just given really encapsulates this whole concept of starter strategy it's moving between different ones you know sometimes it's 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 um appropriate or smart to avoid to to not pick a fight where you don't need to where it's of little value and like you said to you know when it where it's something really important to you to compete on that so what now moving on what would be your advice or top tips or immediate things that people can do to start to um who you know who have, who have adopted a compromising style or approach to start to sort of challenge themselves or their colleagues to to maybe move more towards competing or, or more towards being relationship focused and not be comfortable or satisfied with being purely in the middle yeah so i would give them a set of questions they should implement as a checklist in their meetings something like is that the best possible outcome we can achieve and each individual have am i the best i can give today is that the best i want and is there anything on the table we feel not comfortable with but we don't dare to admit how do we is that aligned to our business objectives what of those points do we need to um, stretch further in order to achieve the results so because often in the heat of the moment you just go with it and compromising is a form of more quick fix solution finding so similar to to doctors and pilots etc where all those checklists have been implemented to double check is that what we want i would see that as a business hygiene and that means beforehand the business needs to be clear about the core objectives the core values so to undergo that exercise as a team as well so what for our team is non-negotiable and where do we want to stretch so to have that clear and then implement that in the decision making process create a decision matrix to make it there are some smart models out there to stress test through reality testing it can be a person doing that it can be a checklist doing that so that you really stress test your outcomes from your work with with individuals and organizations around the globe have you seen the benefits of um introducing this process, this, uh, this checklist, this stress test procedure? Yeah, so we have a couple of examples from negotiation coaching where we, we helped organizations and, and some business individuals to make better deals. And from a monetary aspect, it was sometimes fairly significant what better deals they got. So there was a significant uh, financial upside then we, we were part of a big negotiation uh, between in, in the aviation industry where the, the process was about one year 
and we helped one team to understand the negotiation um, style from the other side. So they could switch style and then had conversations about something, something essential that has never been discussed before, which turned the whole contract in a, I tried not to give uh, confidential information away. That's why I try to frame it carefully. Yeah. So they made a deal which helped employees, a certain amount of employees not have to be made redundant and to redeploy them because they uh, discovered a new aspect. And those are just two examples where you can really see the impact on the business by having clarity on to style switch, but also having a checklist and asking those extra questions. And often an independent facilitator in those complex negotiations will help reality test and ask those questions. So that's often what we do. And then you can teach people to, to do that. And another example is from a colleague of ours from South Africa about a big class action where 500,000 people were involved. And they sent the key negotiators to negotiation training so that all of them spoke the same language and could identify, is that a moment which is good enough? Or do we have to go further? So they understood conflict styles and they would also do a test what are our preferred styles to break through and say, we, we can't be okay with the compromise here. Too much is at stake. We have to go further. Mm -hmm. I think this is becoming more and more relevant given what's happening with the world. I mean, we're currently living through the pandemic, but also as the, as the, the global um, economy becomes more and more complex and difficult with many different parties and interests at stake, it's important to get across to people the value of spending the time and effort, even if it's difficult, um, to, to upskill themselves, to train, to think about these types of things, you know, sort of go slow to go fast. Um, Absolutely. That's a good, that's a very good metaphor, yeah. Because you don't, because it, when these uh, very complex decisions are on the, on the line or on the table, you, you don't want to be making any hash or um, a rash or, uh, you know, hasty decisions. You've got to take the time to really explore properly. Yeah. and have the skill set and the confidence to be able to do that you know there's one thing the, the will to do it i think is incredibly important but having that comfort confidence and control to be able to operate strategically is so important and there's something i learned yesterday uh, at a talk we had and it's called so-called feminine energy it's not just reserved to women it's men have access to feminine energy as well and they did some research so when women were part of uh, major decisions in, on governmental level, on peace decisions, but also business decisions. The, the probability of having a very effective outcome was much higher and was much more towards collaboration. And what that means was that not only facts were brought into the decision-making process, but also um, the impact. So really going in the future and see what impact will that have for example on the environment what impact will that have on a certain part of a population and how how would children go to school or not so really concrete examples to stress test the consequences and the numbers there were were quite interesting it was from two to ten percent decisions were much more um, sustainable so if that if you just involve one or two 
women in a decision-making process that already help. So what I want to say with that is not just involve more women, of course, that's also one aspect, but have more different difference in decision-makers and who are around the table that will automatically move you on from compromise to a more collaborative and effective approach and to stress test long-term impact. You need people with a vision and you need pragmatic people on the ground and to, to marry those two ways of thinking is quite essential. Yeah, and it shows that, for example, conflict styles is just one part of the, the jigsaw puzzle when it comes to being a more effective organization. You've got to think about the composition of your team. Is it a two homogenous group of individuals? Do I have enough different, um, well, do I have a diverse team? Do I have enough different types of approaches? One more point that I think is quite important talking about businesses, the consequences of getting this wrong are quite dire. No longer can businesses um, be purely focused on profit. And we're, we're seeing that they've got to be thinking about sustainability, the environment, um, because that, that's what, well, consumers, but also shareholders and people interested in the organization now demand. So it's not a case of us saying, you know, just this is going to make you more effective, but they can't afford to, to ignore these, these types of issues anymore. Absolutely. And we see that right now in times of crisis, which organizations will survive and which not. And often it depends exactly on that if they settle with just what is, seems to be good enough, but not going further. On that note, I think that's a good point to, to conclude this podcast. And next week will be our final episode in which we will discuss which style? Collaboration. And that Collaboration. will be quite an exciting one because that's possibly one of the most overused words. So we'll give it a new spin and possibly some other synonyms to make it more digestible. Fantastic. Susanna, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Ben.